And what is up, podcast people and soundtrack geniuses around the world? You're listening to The Soundcast, the official podcast of tracksounds.com. In this podcast, we talk all things film, television, and video game music. I'm your host, Christopher Coleman. And joining me for this episode today is... Kristen Romanelli of Filmscore Monthly Online. And Justin Craig. And today is Saturday. No, it isn't. Today is Sunday, July 16th, 2017. And this is episode 93 of the Soundcast, where we talk about another Michael Giacchino uh, recent original score, War for the Planet of the Apes. You can find all of our episodes at thesoundcast.com, or if you prefer, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and Acast, wherever you might listen to uh, podcasts. And wherever you do listen, please leave us a rating and a review because it helps us know that you're out there and what you like and what you don't like about the show. You can also, of course, send your feedback to soundcast at tracksounds.com or use our SpeakPipe widget uh, on our site or hit us up on Twitter at tracksounds or on Facebook. Well, Justin and Kristen, welcome back to the shoe. It's Thanks great to have me. you both on simultaneously. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good thing. So I'm just referring to last week, uh, Kristen was going to join us for our Spider-Man conversation, which we muddled through anyway, but we missed you on that one, And but glad to have you on this one. Thanks very much. I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. Some of our podcast listeners said that after they listened to the show last week. I was oh. asleep. No. Actually, they just what? yelled. What? <laughs> they, just, they just screamed in frustration for some unexplained reason. Um, <laughs> but um, today we're going to be talking about uh, the recently released film War of the Planet of the Apes, which is the conclusion to the trilogy, um, not started by Matt Reeves, director Matt Reeves, but being finished by him with the last two films. Uh, it's, it's, it is a sequel to The Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, and this one stars, of course, Andy Serkis, Woody Harrelson, Steve Zahn, uh, Karen Canovel. I'm not sure who Karen Canovel is. Oh, that no, that's not the little girl. That's Amia, Maurice. Amia Miller. Oh, that's right. Yes, he plays Maurice. Awesome. And Terry Notary. And in this third uh, new Planet of Apes film, War of the Planet of Apes, uh, this is the third chapter, where Caesar and his apes are forced into a deadly conflict with an army of humans led by the ruthless colonel. After the apes suffer an unimagin- or suffer unmanageable losses, Caesar wrestles with his darker instincts and begins his own mythic quest to avenge his kind. As the journey finally brings them face to face, Caesar and the colonel are pitted against each other in an epic battle that will determine the fate of both their species and the future of the planet. Um, it looks like the film is tracking pretty well, although I, I did expect it to make more. It looks like it might do $58 million this opening weekend, which is good, but I expected more. Um, and the original score, of course, is by Michael Giacchino. It was released on most all the streaming platforms on July 7th uh, from Sony Classical, and the physical release doesn't come out till August 4th, 2017. So guys, what did you think of the film? which I think you both saw like a year ago or something. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Do you even remember it? It was so long ago. What did I think of the film? So uh, 
I have not seen the first two films in this trilogy. What? I know. Um, <laughs> and Is I like, there any reason for that? I just didn't. You know, it's, it was just one of those things. I didn't prioritize it. And um, Wow. I am a fan of the original Planet of the Apes movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the, the Goldsmith score. And... I just never got around to these movies. So I go into the screening completely wow. blind. Um, yeah. And I got surprisingly emotionally invested in this movie. Hmm. And I I found that I wasn't lost or anything. I, I kind of understood what the history was behind these characters without having seen hmm. the other two movies. It was really interesting uh, to go in blind. Um, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. And I wasn't expecting to be as invested as I was. But there we go. Hmm. Well, that's serious credit to Matt Reeves to, yeah. to craft a film that someone who didn't see the first two could be so invested in. That's that's really awesome to hear. Um, But you have to. Are you going to go watch the next the first I am. two now? I am. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> um. What did you think, Justin? I loved it. I was anticipating this movie uh, for a long time, more than I think any other movie besides Star Wars this year. And so I had high expectations. And right away from the opening scene, I mean, Matt Reeves is such a brilliant director. And Mm -hmm. he's, you know, he has this like auteur quality to him for such a big Hollywood blockbuster, yeah, you know, and that's rare to do now. I, you know, DC or uh, Warner Brothers recently said they weren't going to uh, work with all tour directors anymore. That <laughs> seems like maybe Fox is is the only one left in town that's that's willing to do something like that. And yeah. you know, evidence with Matt Reeves. Yep. And I, I just from beginning to end, it is just a powerhouse of a film. Uh, just the tone of it, the look of it, um, the performances, especially Andy Serkis once again. And, you know, how Matt Reeves uses music in his films. He'll go long stretches of silence or just the apes doing sign language. Mm-hmm. And and Michael Giacchino's got to step up and, and, and tell the story through the music. And, you know, but that's not just this film. Matt Reeves does that. He's done that in uh, Let Me In. Mm-hmm. There's long stretches of just no no dialogue and just music. Uh, he did it with the uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. And uh, overall, I think this movie is excellent. It's an A+, but it's not as good as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes because I think this one focuses too much on the war part of the story and not so much on the character. Really? Uh, the psychology of the characters, unlike... Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which is kind of like a Shakespearean tragedy yeah. between, you know, Caesar and Koba. You know, Caesar has to deal with, you know, whether or not he's going to harm humans or protect humans. And then on top of that, he is losing his best friend who's uh, becoming his enemy. And how does he deal with that? And so there was all the psychology in the second movie that's it's somewhat there just a little bit in yeah. this one, but not to the extent of the second movie. Uh, this one's mostly focused on, you know, it's wrapping up the trilogy. So it's it's like if you look at it as Lord of the Rings, it's the long battle at the end, you know, for the entire film. Not yeah. that it's all action, of course not. But right. uh, it's um, I think it, it loses points 
as a film because of that, especially when you compare it. If it didn't have Dawn of the Planet of the Apes to compare it to, this yeah. would be a masterpiece in, in itself. But yeah. uh, I can't help but compare it to the second film, which sure. is far superior uh, for a number of reasons. But you give this an A+. Plus. I do. I and think so I, Don is and what, you know what? Like I, a I was plus, completely plus. I was completely ambivalent to uh Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I mm. liked it, mm-hmm. but I didn't love it. And then when Matt Reeves joined for Dawn, I I just I woke right up. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And I absolutely love the original films. I think it's overall the Apes franchise is a nearly perfect franchise. It's mm. it's a it's a good um, it's a good example of how to create a franchise and create sequels. Maybe I can get into that a little later, but yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. More for the Planet of the Apes. I I absolutely loved it, but I didn't love it as much as I did Dawn. Okay. Well, wow, interesting. I feel similar. Um, I was surprised at the tone of it overall. I I, I expected it to be a little more like Dawn than than it's it's it's. Yeah, we won't go into too much detail, but the tone is was different than I had expected. Um, so first I had to get around that and get used to, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. But still, um, enjoyed it a whole bunch. Now, I do have a question for both of you, because I was assuming that these three were like literal prequels to the original Planet of the Apes series. But I read in... I don't know if it was on Wikipedia or on IMDb or somewhere where it says it's a reboot. And no, I think it's it, a uh, a prequel because in Rise, don't they show on the TV the Charlton yes. Heston's uh, rocket ship going up into space? Yes, but even that doesn't. We can get that in in spoilers a little bit before we get too far into the movie. Yes, that's true, but it doesn't make sense, uh, and we can talk about that later. Um, so I'm wrestling now with, and I bring that up because I'm wrestling with a couple of issues. One is where does this actually fall in the in the Planet of the Apes timeline? If it all is really one timeline, some things don't make sense if it is. Um, but that aside, just taking talking about the movie, I thought it was thought it was brilliantly done. Again, I was not expecting as heavy of a tone throughout the whole film that it, that it had, and so I had to get adjusted to that. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it quite a bit. And not as much as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That that's an all time favorite of mine, to be honest. It's it's way up there on my on my movies list. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went in to this with high expectations, like you, but even higher than Star Wars, to be honest. For me, um, I was I was expecting a true you know operatic ending to this whole thing, and I and I guess that's kind of what we got. Um, so before we talk in detail about the film or the score, I'm going to change it up a little and just get your general reactions to the score, and then we'll get into 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 spoilers. And so, um, Kristen, what did you think of the score, just in general terms? Oh, I was wrapped when I was watching it in the theater. Um, I think I tweeted this. I took 17 pages of notes on the score. <laughs> wow. Like, <laughs> and my, my pencil did not stop. It was, it, I, I, it, it's a Giacchino that we rarely get to hear, um, because he's usually doing all of these fun, upbeat sort of scores that we're used to, like, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, I think, falls into that category, his 
Disney work falls into that category. Even his uh, more adventure scores fall into that mm-hmm. category. This was... Oh, this was more raw, I I felt. Um, well, Don definitely doesn't fall into that category. It's No, have you, it, it doesn't. It's very similar to this. Very, very similar. It is, and it carries over themes uh, from yes. that. Um, yeah. And then expands on those themes, on themes yes. that were sort of hinted at in Dawn. Mm-hmm. And they were expanded here. And it was just so cool to see that in context and see everything kind of like fit together because it is a very thematically dense score. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up. Um, Justin, do you give it the thumbs up? Oh my God, yes. This is top Chikino for me. Um, right up there with uh, Dawn. And he is just in his element with this genre, with this franchise. Like Kristen said, this is on, this is a, this is rare Giacchino. And mm-hmm. um, I just, Caesar's theme might be, if not one of the top themes of his, it, it, I think it's, it might be the top theme he has composed. I love the most. Wow. Um, I said that completely wrong. That is terrible English, but <laughs> I think you understand gist. what I mean. Um, got the gist. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, it's the only theme of his, maybe parts of John Carter as well, that give me goosebumps when I hear it. Hmm. And it doesn't matter in what iteration Caesar's theme is played. It could just be on timpani, which happens quite a bit. It's hmm. just the theme played out on timpani. Or it's that epic build that when you know he's standing up and he's rising up in uh at the end of dawn and uh or he he goes up against koba and he finally gets his backbone and there it comes and he builds that last scene in dawn is just a masterpiece of film music and how he uses it in war it's he expands upon it and just how he, he, he mixes it this time with a piano theme. Uh, well, it's not played on the piano when it's used with Caesar's theme, but it's, it's a contrast to Caesar's theme. The two themes, they play together, uh, quite often throughout the score. And it is so incredible. And, you know, I don't want to get into any spoilers, but how it's used in the final scene of this film using that other theme i'm i have to go back and see the movie again uh to find out what descending 16th notes theme yeah yeah um so i need to find out what that theme is uh how it's used in the film because i saw the film first before i heard the album Mm -hmm. uh and that is a great experience in especially for this film uh it is used uh throughout the film uh in scenes of loss um, yes. So it's it's presented as a loss uh, theme. It's yeah. It's oh, I love it. I love it. So that's not in war. It's that's not in dawn. That's a new theme for this film. Right. So Correct. it never accompanied uh, Caesar's theme before until now, but it works perfectly. It's like holy sh- crap, Jacino. This is this is amazing. I just love. I love that theme. It gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. And um, 
there's just so much going on in the score that he he brings out this like kind of it's as if he was living in the 70s scoring a 70s adventure film <laughs> at many points i mean there's there's so much going on there's a morricone reference uh mm-hmm. influence in this score there's some french style uh influence in this score you got a lot of john barry in this score and and then but it's all giacchino i mean he, he it's just incredible um i can't say enough great things about about this score and i thought that dawn was my favorite of of this but this might this might top that i do miss uh uh the coba theme from from dawn which isn't here but uh overall i think this is a superior score especially how it's used in the film i mean going in not hearing the music beforehand and watching this movie and hearing how it just plays out from lucas theme uh, the 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 stretches of music on the as they're riding on the beach, uh, on the on horseback. That whole escape scene is just fantastic stuff. I mean, I am a I'm a nut for escape scenes in, in <laughs> movies, and that that's like a long scene. It's like 10, 12 minutes, and it's all music, and it is so great. And it's only two minutes on the album. Come on, guys, give <laughs> us more than that. Well, I think I I, I think more than Morricone influence. I saw this really as a Morricone love letter, um, more so than homage to Goldsmith. I saw all throughout this, uh, they, the, even one of the track titles is, <clears throat> oh, there's, there's my voice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even, mm-hmm. even one of the track titles is ecstasy of the bold, um, mm-hmm. which I, I kind of played side by side with the ecstasy of gold. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, it it does fit as a variation of that. It's it's does really it? neat, yeah. And um, I think Eric Woods pointed this out, but uh, there, the, the, there's also the travel a man named suicide. That's a very that's a Morricone esque title because yeah. there's a um, was it a girl named Sooner or something like that? Um, I, I have to go back and look at all the Morricone stuff, but that's well, a, that's a very well. The travel motif is from. Uh, La Mugli Più Bella. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is at the end of Exit Wounds. It's in the Polonaise. It's in the Bagatelle. It is all over the score. It's mm-hmm. so wonderful. I love it. <laughs> now, well, I'm really going to be anxious to hear you guys' detailed response <laughs> to it because that was just general response to the score. Obviously, you loved it with great detail. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love it as well. I don't know if I love it more than Dawn yet. That could that could change over time um, as I listen to it more. I think it is more nuanced. Than, than Dawn, and so successive listens and or watches will help with that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think it's I, th- I I think he's done a great job of of bringing some conclusion, bringing a conclusion to to this to this film to this trilogy. But it seems like they're talking about more already, so I don't know what that means. Um, I I don't know if I want more or not. To be honest, maybe, but. If it, if it brings us films and scores like this, then most definitely. Uh, so it's it's up there right now. I think it's probably on par f- with for me uh, with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, um, and that's just kind of my general reaction. I'll, I'll I'll respond to some of the things you got guys brought up as we dive into more details here in a second. Um, uh, let's see. So 
everyone is on board with this film and the score, uh, like top top shelf for for Matt Reeves, top shelf for the franchise, top shelf for for Giacchino. It sounds like we're all there. I I may be a little less enthusiastic, um, and I'll share those reasons why in a little bit. Uh, any other general thoughts you guys have? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's very general. Okay. Um, so we'll move to then talking about some of this stuff in more detail. Uh, Justin, you've kind of shared a number of the things, both of you have shared a number of the things that you like about the score so much. I'm with you both on the thematic development. Uh, that I thought was was brilliant um, in terms of using like what I kind of dubbed the human motif from, from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, which they introduced, you know, as in the opening titles, I think for Dawn, where you're seeing the spread of the, of the, of the plague or the virus across the world and using that as a basis for, um, uh, what's her name in the film? Uh, Nova, Nova for, for Nova's, uh, theme I thought was, was really brilliant. And he expands on that and it works mm-hmm. so well. Um, so, how he he did two things he expanded on what he had established in dawn and then he introduced a lot of new stuff a lot of new motifs and themes as you guys have been talking about already were there other things that um uh, you really enjoyed about this particular score uh Kristen? oh man to be a timpani player in michael <laughs> giacchino's orchestra timpanist i don't know i don't um, know what it is <laughs> i don't I, I love the use of timpani in this score. Um, it, it They truly made it into a melodic instrument. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so Which awesome. we talked about a little bit in the last in the last episode with Spider-Man and, and how, how his, I guess you could call them villainous themes, almost can all be played on, on timpani. But in this one, you know, it's like the apex of that. It's like that's where the theme begins, although it's played elsewhere on other instruments in, in other in places but when you think of that motif you think of the timpani and and that's that's pretty brilliant that he can make a memorable motif if if he had only played it on the timpani you would you would remember it yeah uh, and that's pretty impressive yeah you really only have what like four pitches there and yeah. it's yeah he he makes full use of his instruments and as I said, this is a thematically dense score. Things like come together in ways that I didn't really expect. Um, like the the expansion of that Nova, uh, uh, the uh, the human theme into mm-hmm. the Nova theme mm-hmm. um, was such a pleasant surprise. And then again, you, uh, I think Justin mentioned at the end where Caesar's theme comes together with the lost theme and it's like these two distant puzzle pieces like fit together it's like they were made for each other it was it's oh i I love it i love it when a composer does that when they introduce these elements separately and then they sew them up at the end yes and it all makes sense like yes now i want to get i want you guys to clarify for me because i thought um, Nova's theme had two parts to it, and the second part was that more, that more like march, like aggressive, like in most of the tracks that's on on the soundtrack that contains it. What are the what are their names? Um, 
is it the posse polonaise mm-hmm. uh and then there's another one that has it 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 starts with that simple piano or maybe it's exodus wounds i'm trying to remember now but the second half of it has has that part b at least i was thinking that was part b of the same theme is that a no it's not no, the same no, no. theme that's, that's just a transition yeah, to a that's different a, scene that's a travel motif yeah, that's the travel motif. Yeah, okay. see, it like starts with a beach march, and it, it's yeah, it starts out when they are um, when yeah, they, they leave their camp the and then they find decamp. Nova and then they yeah. pick her up and then they travel on again. Yep. Okay, so that's what that is. Okay, but it, it's a comp- on, on the soundtrack anyway. It's accompanied with that each yeah. time. It, yeah. So I was like, oh, is that second half? Which that was going to be something I said didn't like, and I actually, to be honest, I didn't like it. Um, in context, in terms of when they leave the little village with Nova, it felt it felt way too strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, they were just going, they were just riding horses, oh. and it was just like, wow, why is this so strong? Like something is happening. There's nothing really happening. I'm sure they're trying to convey something, but it just felt. That's after you see. That's what feels so 70s about it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. in your face. Yeah, and that's it's a that's very the Morricone. That's the Morricone for sure. Yeah. Mm, okay. Okay, it it took me aback because you had this real tender moment with um, Maurice and Nova, and you know, and they bring her along, and then it's like boom, and I was like, whoa, wow, this is really strong, really strong. Um, so it took me aback a little bit. Well, that cue is uh, like if John Barry and Ennio Morricone had a a cue child. That's <laughs> that's what that that sounds like. Yeah, it's not yeah. the it's not the music itself. It's just the 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 music the tone of it with what was actually happening on screen it 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 seemed a little bit too strong for me in that regard um any other things you guys really 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 love about this score just the the orchestrations and the instrumentation like Kristen said earlier about the timpani um not only is Caesar's theme played on timpani but when he built uh Giacchino builds suspense just by ramping up that uh, those timpani hits and mm-hmm. he did it in let me in too it was very similar uh if you remember that film uh i think the film opens with it that you can you you're zooming in on the town los alamos or or wherever it was and he's just pounding out the timpani and um he did the same thing here and it was uh i think in the opening scene of this where uh the the soldiers are uh approaching the ape camp and mm-hmm. uh he's just you know it's that that uh a lot of dissonance and then um pounds out that timpani just to right in your face to build that suspense and then wham mm-hmm. uh and it's just so incredible i mean right out of the gate he's uh he's he's telling you that the music in this film is telling a story and it's important and you're going to hear it and you're going to notice it and i love that we don't get that too much anymore it's true yeah Yeah, it's um, very true even though it is in your face it was very rich in its dynamics um it it does have its you know pianissimo moments but when it crescendos it is full-bodied and very robust and this is tangentially related to what i like about the score but the mix of the movie Yes, is very respectful of the score and very much. That's Matt Reeves, man. He yeah. like all his movies are like that. Yeah, even Cloverfield, where there's no music. <laughs> <laughs> now that's interesting because see, I've 
I saw the film and I listened to the score before I saw the film. And usually that helps me when I watch the film to pick up things. But it wasn't until I watched the film, came back, listened to it again, that I could really, I picked up more listening to it on the soundtrack than I did in the film. And I'm not blaming the mixer or anything like that. I don't know. I usually blame the mix for those kinds of things. But uh, I still, I find it's a, a more interesting experience in listening to the score just on the soundtrack. Well, There's so much more I can pick up yeah, than, that's, than that's, I did in the film. That's what I do in, in my bizarre note apparently bizarre note-taking practice <laughs> see i feel there's a lot I missing listen, on the soundtrack I, for I, this film i listen to it beforehand and then i go in i take my 17 pages of notes and mm-hmm. then i come home and i listen to it again while reading my notes mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where i make um the connections of uh, what themes actually are uh like who the motifs belong to, what they represent, because I take really rough notation uh, in the in my notes, and it really helps with uh, making those connections. So it, it does become a rich experience, like you have. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I felt that it was very easy in in this score to like recall a lot of what happened. Yeah. Now you said there's a lot missing, Justin. I felt uh, well, especially the um, that whole escape cue is very much truncated on the album than it is in the film. Um, maybe it mixed a couple different cues together. I I don't know. I have to go back and listen to it. But I remember while watching the film, I was like, "Wow, this is long, and it's all music, and it's great." And when I heard it on the album, uh, it it was only two minutes, and. Um, I was disappointed by that. There's just so much going on in this score, like Kristen said. Uh, that cue, Ecstasy of the Bold, now that is a fantastic cue that is used, I think, a, a number of times in the film. Um, I, see, again, see, it's it's been, oh, I guess, almost a month now since I've seen this movie. Oh, wow. That's a um, long time. So, um, so I might... I might be off on on what some of these are associated with, but that cue is so great. Um, how it it builds suspense. Uh, it's kind of like um, uh, kind of like planning a heist type of a theme or uh, mm-hmm. cue, and how it then builds into Caesar's theme. Uh, it's just so great. I, I actually, yeah. It, sorry, my brain is going a mile a minute here, and I was just about to say something incorrect. So, um. Yeah, that cue, the 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 escape cue. Uh, I think my favorite part of the whole score is when, or two parts, um, when Caesar's getting whipped, mm-hmm. and then it's like that Spartacus scene where all the apes stand up and I am Spartacus. But mm-hmm. um, that cue with the, or that that scene, and then also when uh, Nova is is giving. Caesar the keys and it's mm-hmm. her theme uh again no no dialogue it's just her going through the camp her theme building and building and building and it's just so damn great mm-hmm. so it's that stuff I mean people want I, I'm tired of hearing critics say that uh you shouldn't notice a score right. um 
and you certainly notice a score here. And I, you know, I see on Twitter so many people talking about the music in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, there's a reason for that because you hear it and it's mm -hmm. and it's emotional and it invests you in the story. And that is very and to me, that's so important. That is as important as your damn screenplay. Sure. And um you know, so when I hear that, oh, you shouldn't notice a score. It's more effective when you can't hear it and, or notice it. That to me, that's bullshit. Um, not every movie needs to be in your face like this, but um, but this is the power of music and how it tells a story through themes and through orchestration. Sure, that is a testament to how great a composer Michael Giacchino is, and how great of a director Matt Reeves is, and he's a director that actually appreciates music and the use of music. And I said that right after I saw the movie that the two of them are at their best together. They are a great team. I mean, Michael Giacchino's worked with so many great directors who all appreciate music. Uh, but I don't think anybody, even more so than JJ Abrams, I think Matt Reeves ha it takes, takes the cake here. With, well, he's a better director. No, no, oh, doubt. for sure. It's not even uh, a contest. Um, <laughs> But I'm I'm just saying that JJ has an appreciation for film music, so he does. Uh, but Matt uh, knows how music needs to be used in a film to tell a story. It's not just background; it's a storyteller. Yeah, agreed. Um, you think he brings Giacchino onto Batman? If he's allowed to, I would say yes. Yeah, yeah. He's already thrown out uh, Ben Ben. Um, man, I've forgotten his name. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck's um, uh, I guess script. if he has that power to throw out Ben Affleck's screenplay, then I'm sure he has the power to bring <laughs> Michael Giacchino on as composer. Yay. Unless Disney has something to say about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Which they might. They might. Well, I don't know. They let Joss Whedon do Marvel and they'll direct. But I think he's not. He's out of his Disney co Marvel contract. I mean, that was over. Oh, so, oh yeah. But Dramatically but so doing quite a bit yeah but with, i don't know with, do contracts still do that now it's not like the old studio system i don't but know michael can do any studio he wants i guess unless for if he did captain or uh uh dr strange and spider-man if there's some special clause in there you can't do any other superhero movies well, which no, i don't no, find just talking about but talking about the who owns it you know that's obviously a marvel deal there but dc that's a warner brothers well, he did Jupiter Ascending, which I think was Warner Brothers. Um, so maybe it won't be an issue, which that could be that could be interesting. Um, so, all right. Well, if you guys listening haven't really noticed already, there's probably some spoilery things, not like any heavy spoilers, but some things we've already referenced. But from now, from this point on, I think if you're concerned about spoilers, I would um, go see the film and then come back and listen to the rest of this particular podcast. You mean there uh, are apes in this ape movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, which kind of apes? That's my question. This is more movie related, uh, kind of, because now all of us are pretty familiar with the original Planet of the Apes, right? The series? Right. Um, so here's the deal, and I just, I know this isn't really about the film, but it, it's affecting my overall appreciation for what's going on here, and I think that leaks into my appreciation for the score to some degree. Is... If this is a direct, if these are direct prequels, uh, are these then just coincidences that uh, Caesar is named Caesar, his son is named Cornelius, her name is Nova, because the timeline 
is like a couple millennia from from this point uh, before you get to the Planet of the Apes we see in the Planet of the Apes. So obviously these aren't the, those aren't the same people, right? And, and so it, those are just paying homage to that. And I, coincidentally, I believe that's exactly this- that's what that is. I do believe okay. that these are direct prequels, but that's just the, I don't the like names that are thing. just an homage. I, I don't like that then. If it's a direct pre, because it's like it, and then you've got you know you talked we referenced that in the background shot of um, the whatever the name of that mission was that Charlton Heston was on. Well, that happened in the seventies, seventy two, and this and when did Rise come out? Two thousand eleven. So that doesn't even that doesn't line up timeline wise. Unless it was some historical footage they happened to be showing on TV, but did they did, in the Charlton Heston one? Did they give a specific yes. date as to when they left? Well, it's well, been not a, when they it's left. Been about two years since I've seen it, so I don't remember. It's 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 on his little machine in his craft in the opening okay. scene. You see, right, 1972. Well, so that's uh, that's why I get confused about what this actually is. And then reading that it was a reboot, I'm like, oh, so that makes more sense if it's a reboot. But I was up until that moment when I read that I assumed it was a direct prequel. Well, in the original movies, later on after the second one, there's some time travel. So it's true, and they they kind of disrupt the the timeline. Uh, That's true. Very J.J. Abrams esque. Um, <laughs> That's that where he got true. all his ideas. Those damn eight movies. <laughs> um, so okay, uh, I don't know. Maybe so. I don't know. They're, I'm just making crap up now, but maybe something happened there to justify all of this. Maybe, maybe I, it, I haven't it, seen. I mean, the I think later it's one of those things where it straddles both. It's a reboot and a prequel. Uh, because there. look, I mean, at the end of this movie, they're going over to to that desert land where uh, the original movie takes place. So eventually, we're getting well, to that. Even we're, that, I had questions about. I had to bust is, out Google Maps when I got home. Oh, because they actually a sequel to Interstellar. <laughs> Interstellar. <laughs> okay, so ge- geographically speaking, you know, I was totally with them. You know, they're obviously in the Sierras when they get to the snow, uh, the little lodge. Mm-hmm. They go over that. They go over that, and mm-hmm. they get because I was like, wait a minute, there's no. So they end up at Mount St. Helens. Essentially, that's Mount St. Helens that they're at. So I'm like, oh, okay. So they're way up in Washington. I was like, there's no freaking desert between California and. Washington. But so when I looked at the map, I'm like, oh, they went over the Sierra. So they went into Nevada, which is nothing but a big freaking desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came, uh, I guess, came up and around and then back down to to Mount St. Helens. So the geography was kind of weird for a minute because the nuclear holocaust hasn't happened yet, um, which that's what I thought the, the desert was going to be, the forbidden zone, all of that. But they were just in Nevada, apparently. But Nevada doesn't look like the shots they but were using. They're, they're, I still think we're a hundred or two hundred years away from from the original Apes movie. There, there oh, is, we're more. There than is that. widespread think, right? war. Or maybe definitely, a thousand though. years ahead. I see. I don't remember the the actual dates, but we're still so far behind. Uh, well, no, it, we're ahead. It's it doesn't make you can't fit it in because it went from 1972 to 3000 and oh, something. Okay. All right, so so it just doesn't fit. It just, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't fit. I feel like this is a reboot, and they use the names as homage to. The it must be. It, that's that's the only way it really makes sense. But that's what that's what kind of disappointed me in that I thought, oh, this is gonna this is gonna lead directly into what we know as the Planet of the Apes, which I thought that's cool, and I thought, 
and I thought things, I didn't know how they were going to tie them too closely together because there's so much time in between. But since you just talked about the time travel part, that does throw everything off, kind of. Um, I think it's what is it? Is it the third Planet of the Apes when the two apes come to Earth? I don't remember the construct yeah. there. Of I know they take the ship back, but did they they travel back in time? I guess. Yes, they, they end up in the seventies. Yeah. Okay. So then that throws that throws everything off at that point. And then they go to shopping malls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that I guess that helps me some to to I can now contextualize this trilogy and and just kind of take it on its own and not necessarily connect it to. Um, the original Planet of the Apes. So long films. as we're not trying to fit in the timber in one, it's all cool. No, that didn't even exist. <laughs> didn't exist. Although you know the score is fine, and I love the makeup in it. I, I when I saw it the first time, I was really overcome by how good the makeup was and what they did with those guys, and that made me like it. But over time, oh man, after, it again, after after this, I don't think I can go back and watch it. I mean, <laughs> no, it's pretty bad. Looking looking at Andy Serkis in this was just mesmerizing. It, oh. it was just oh his eyes his eyes are the CG oh, that's, is that's just it man that's on it's another level. Eyes. Wonderful the, the shot of him that that apocalypse now shot of of Caesar in the dark with just his face lit you know yeah. a la a la the Colonel in Apocalypse Now yeah. mm-hmm. that was that was fantastic. I mean I just like I can't believe this is CG. I really can't believe it. Really, really um, beautiful work by Weta. Like, oh, yes, yes, mas- masterful, agreed. masterful motion capture. Like, is this Oscar? Is this movie Oscar worthy? Uh, uh yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, for him, and no, for no. Chikino. I mean, for the for the film. Do you think the film is Oscar worthy? Uh, maybe. It I depends it on what be. kind of year we have ahead of us. But I mean, it's been a pretty what. A, can you name me an Oscar contending movie so far this year? Uh, I'm just thinking it's of genre, the, it's genre bias. They're all going to be independent movies or smaller movies, not not the big movies. So they're all going to come at the end of the year. I mean, in, the end yeah, of the year the we're going to see the Steven, yeah, Steven Spielberg movie. Is they're all going to come October through December, and the Academy never never remembers anything that happens before October. It's inevitable. They always nominate like the last five movies they saw. Right. <laughs> I, I think it's Oscar worthy to be honest. I, um, I really do. I I think the the and effects the work too. definitely is Oscar worthy. I think there is heavy genre bias that will never get it into the above the line awards. Um, hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if this did. But at least if, a nomination. If somehow Andy Circus was finally recognized for his yeah. acting i would be happy yeah yeah because I think he is a tremendous actor even though he's like always covered up by digital effects except for in the marvel movies where he's not which is and he was in some hilarious movie to me. that was not very good i don't know if you saw <laughs> that movie didn't he direct it i think he did and it was not very good but we don't. I'm the only one who remembers that movie, so no one will hold it against him. Well, he's not. Um, he's he's not a, a good director, but he's a tremendous actor. I mean, he's acted. He acts in it too, and it's it's not great. It's not great. We'll just um, say he was too close to the project. What did you guys think of Woody Harrelson in this? Um, 
I thought he did a good job. I mean, he was doing his his colonel impersonation. Yeah. Um I, I thought he did I thought he did a pretty good job. Um I I loved I loved his his just desserts cuz I didn't see that coming. Um, oh, I did. I, I thought he yeah, was going to have killed himself or something, and and I thought, man, this is going to really be cheap. Or he or he had left and went to chase after somebody or something, just wasn't there. But that I just didn't see, and so I was like, oh, okay. When he first That's told it. his story, I was like, oh, yeah, I know where you're going. That's, <laughs> that's gonna happen. And it it fits in perfectly with uh, Chris. You you mentioned that it was operatic uh, well you were expecting it to be operatic mm-hmm. that that is definitely a trope that falls into an opera storytelling um form so hmm. it, it definitely True. definitely fits in with that um Here, here's what i didn't like about woody harrelson's performance it's not really his fault it's the screenplay that big expedition dump that he gives was <laughs> was a bit much I mean, it, it was it was true. long. Oh, and he was monologuing. Yeah, he I was, was like, he was dude, definitely why? monologuing. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we end, needed so that. What we needed to the, him has a uh, some no, emotional, of course. Wait, no, we understand why. I understood why they had to give us that information, but they gave it to us all in one <laughs> one shot. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay, got it. Understand. There were a lot of uh, speaking of him as uh, the colonel. There were quite a bit of. Um, throwbacks to older movies in this oh, one i yes. mean yes kurtz uh that ice palace where they found bad ape was like right out of dr zhivago well, as soon as they got oh, there i was like oh, yeah. it's like that that place well, where zhivago and lara go to and yeah dr zhivago then that, that but escape also scene was like run. the exact same way they escape in the great escape um oh tunneling yeah you know they yeah, yeah. they tunnel but then oh yeah they definitely go on the wires you know they they crawl on all fours on the wires and in uh never mind great escape the well, wires forget it never mind on the wires that, I, that's I, what, I love that movie but I'm trying facetious. to think facetious oh okay <laughs> um that ape's well, home also reminded me of Logan's Run so the ape's home uh bad ape oh bad, bad ape's ape. home yeah. okay yeah and and why thank God for Who, bad wait, ape. did he remind you of uh what's his face in the library why did I forget his name. No, no. That you the guys setting. can remember Logan's run this well is is the, amazing to the, me. The setting, not not Bad Ape himself, his home. Bad Ape reminded me of Dobby from Harry Potter. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. But I love Bad Ape. I'm so glad he was in this movie. Yeah. I, I needed I needed that the little bit of humor he introduced he so into cute. the film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really was glad that they put him in this movie. Yeah, and Steve Zahn too. I mean, he did a great job. He, I feel like he's not used enough as an I didn't actor, know who that so. was until afterwards. Oh, yeah? I thought it was like, Mark Rylance the whole movie until the end credits. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> it wow. sounded like him. Wow, wow. Um, yeah, so there, was there anything else? Was there anything in the score that you didn't like? Um, hmm. I mean, there are things in the not movie a, no, that not, I didn't like, but not in the score, really. Um, I, the only my only real negative was as great as the that uh, that main timpani theme. I guess is that for the humans? Is that kind of the bad humans theme? I don't know. Yeah. What 
that's for. I guess this was for. Is nothing. It doesn't quite rise to mm-hmm. the level of Koba's motif and how it was used in Dawn. And, and, and that's a pretty high. I mean, that Koba's motif and the family theme or Caesar's theme, I don't know what, what, what the official theme is. Those two things drove the Dawn score. And and I, I as strong as that human timpani theme is, it doesn't for me. It didn't quite get there to the to the in terms of working its way into my brain and just it being so. And I am surprised he didn't even have the smallest quote of Koba's theme. You know, when he appears in those hallucinations, mm. I thought he would try to weave it in a little bit, and I don't. I don't hear it. Maybe it was there, but I did. I missed it. Yeah, you're um, right. You're right. I was surprised I, you didn't bring that back. I was looking up. for it when I went into the movie and I didn't hear it at all. So didn't I don't it think it's up. there. Yeah. It would have been it would have been great to have it there, but um I don't know why he didn't. Cuz he does some things with with some of this thematic material that's so subtle. I mean, and you're like, "Oh, wait a minute. That's the human tippity theme on high strings." Like that's amazing, you know, mm-hmm. it, but it's it doesn't slap you in the face. It's just you have to notice it. And um, so, anyway, I'm surprised you didn't do that. Anything else about this on the score side? Doesn't sound like there's much that you guys didn't didn't like. I agree with you on the Koba motif. Um, if if that had been hinted at a little bit when he started seeing sort of ghosts of Koba, uh, yeah. sneaking into and influencing how he was uh, reacting to you know, the humans suddenly mm-hmm. becoming more of a martial yeah. character um, yeah. and having that seep into his leadership. I, I think, mm-hmm. I think that would have uh, been a rich experience. Um, uh, also a little bit of the Nova theme. Uh, while I do like how it grew out of the human motif from the prior score, it. Mm-hmm. It's a bit sweet for me. Um, mm. And yeah, I understand. It's supposed to be. She's a precious girl. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's very cute. Um, but I don't know. It's a little too cute for me. Uh, I, I needed that respite <laughs> I, I, amidst that score. I, I can I, I can totally see that. And this is this is me picking at nits. Um, yeah. Because. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I obviously I'm very enthusiastic about this. Um, so where does this rank among the uh, Planet of the Apes scores? I guess for now, with just within the trilogy, it sounds like it's probably going to be. Oh no, you said it's not the top for you, right, Justin? Doesn't quite get there. Um, I I don't know yet. Um, it might be the top. I I mean I really love. Uh, dawn a lot and that has a lot to do with maybe this is the top because see with dawn it's really just caesar and koba's theme uh mm-hmm. that that really do it for me um I, there's a lot of action music in there that's somewhat generic but then when it blasts into caesar's theme and stuff like that then i i love it uh but this i think the tone of this is much darker it's uh, it's mm-hmm. a it's a much more subtle score, even though it's in your face. That there's a lot going on beneath the surface, unlike yeah. the first, uh, unlike Dawn, right? And so I think that it's a more uh, mature score. Um, so this might be the top one. It's, okay. Yeah, I think this one's the top one for me. Um, Chris, I don't I remember guess... Patrick Doyle's score at all. Actually, oh really? It's got a, it's got some great thematic work, but it's a little more middle of the road typical 
type of summer um, action score, but he, he does have some 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 great thematic work that I was hoping Chikina would bring over into Dawn, but he didn't. But and that's fine. Um, I'm sure you've heard the three scores. I know you haven't seen the other two movies, but where does it fall in that line for you, Kristen? Um, so I'm I'm one of those who feels that context is so important. Sure. Um, so it is. I, I need to rank this at the top because I've seen it in context and I'm overwhelmingly enthusiastic about its use in context. Mm-hmm. So I need to put this at number one. Um, although I did enjoy the other ones as independent lessons. Okay. All right. I, I think for me, it's number two right now. I, again, once I see the movie again and listen more, it may it may very well move into the number one position. But I... I really loved the the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes score. Um, I loved the connections to the to Goldsmith's score, which he does maintain to some degree here. Some of the the high woodwind kind of flourishes, and and some of that, and obviously the whole percussion driven thing. You know, Goldsmith introduced that into this whole world. Um, so on that level, anyway, there's that there's still those connections. Um, but um, yeah. I think Koba's theme has a lot to do with that. And Koba as a character, I think he's one of the most memorable movie characters mm-hmm. in uh, quite a while. And, um, it, you know, I did have, the, you know, the, 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 oh, I shouldn't probably talk about it. Well, it doesn't matter because it didn't pay off. But there's an end credit, not a scene, but just sound in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. That like everyone that. speculated about, but actually was apparently nothing i'm wondering what that was i won't say it in detail now because you haven't seen it yet kristen but watch don't don't watch watch through the credits okay and there was a lot of speculation as to what was going on okay i have Um, an answer for you now about do yes where this ranks i think dawn is a better album Uh than war but i think the music in the film of war is better used than the music used in Dawn. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Okay. I, that, I can see that. I, I think that la- even though they're very similar in a way, the last the last scenes of each of those movies, you know, makes use of the uh, family theme or Caesar's theme so well. It was to me. It was. I think I was. I was so distracted by Caesar dying and like, why does he have to die? That may detract a little bit. But that's that scene at the end of Dawn is probably might be my favorite scene maybe i don't know i'll say it now and retract it later maybe my favorite scene of the entire trilogy the how it ends yeah it's Um, great it's it's stunning and it's it's beautiful and the music there is so powerful um uh, that right now is carrying me a little bit carrying it to the number one position i think that in copa's theme see i was Uh, glad that war ended the same way with the same use uh of music uh and i was about halfway through war i was wondering if it was going to end with the in the same way with the music and it did so that made me very very happy because that ending of dawn is brilliant and one of the best scenes in movies this century yeah Uh, i'm just glad they didn't end with a twist ending (laughs) at the end of this movie i would have been really really mad (laughs) it's like no no twists in this in this one please um so where does it rank for you in in Michael Giacchino's portfolio as we wrap up? I'm hesitant to say top top five 
but I would definitely put it at least in top 10. Okay. Yeah. And Justin? Probably top 10. But like we said last week, there's just so much Chikino to go around. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a moving list, but right now it's up there. Way to be super prolific. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And with two very different, well, mostly very different scores. Um, so it, in such close proximity to one another. Yeah, See, I'll keep def- going back to, and listening to this over and over again for many years. Um, mm. So that that's an indication that it's it's up there. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, that's interesting. Um, some, I don't know, some of the scores I have in in the top five for him, I don't listen to that often, but really, really appreciate them. I don't know. That sounds kind of weird. Um, and I don't know how often I will listen to this. Probably as often as I listen to Dawn, which is you know a few times a year, I guess. Uh, uh, but it's it's special. It's definitely special, and it's. The kind of thematic development that is sorely lacking in most franchises, and I and I wish and hope and pray and whatever else it can do, that studios will find some find the value in that and and do it more, um, because it whether you're conscious of it or not, it definitely adds to the experience of the film. And I would say most people are not conscious of it, but they feel the effects of it. I mean. Most people or anyone with a heart at the end of Dawn or at the end of War of the Planet of the Apes is going to feel is going to feel it. And a lot of that has to do with Giacchino's music and and the in the total story he's told, at least starting with Dawn and working its way to that that ending of War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, So definitely within my my top 10 as well. so, any final thoughts about uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, either the score or the film, guys? We um, love it. Michael Cicchino should get an Oscar f- nomination for this. He should. Yeah. He should have for Don as well. Yes. I can support that. Um, I I did find a quote from Matt Reeves about where this fits in with the uh, previous movies. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. It's in Hollywood Reporter, so this is legit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Ape news. (laughs) Ape news? Did you say ape news? Ape news. (laughs) Fake ape news. Uh, Caesar's apes are not like those apes in the 68 movie, and Nova is a nod towards that. None of which is to say there's nothing literal about the connection that's more of a trajectory okay okay so that trajectory changed in rise of the planet of the apes it's clear in the original 1968 story when taylor comes to this planet he doesn't think it's planet earth and then he realizes it is that's the big twist in the movie yeah we know that dude you realize it's blah 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 uh yeah so it's not literal okay Who are these little blue creatures with white hats? What? (laughs) Smurfs. Smurfs? (laughs) Wait, I'm trying to understand the connection you've made. Uh, Why are you talking about Smurfs? Because. Why not? (laughs) I think we... I've hit my... I need coffee. He needs more coffee. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm glad he clarified that. It just, to me, so they're not related, basically, in the end. Which, that kind of saddens me a little bit. 
but it makes it make everything make more sense. But I'm I'm sad because that was a fun that that ex, that exercise of of building building these movies to lead up to that exact uh, future was interesting, and and they could have they could have easily done it, but whatever. Um, all right, well, I think that's going to do it for episode 93 of the Soundcast. Uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Justin, for jumping on to talk about War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, if people would like to uh, share with you their thoughts about the film or the score, Kristen, how can people do that? The best way to find me is on Twitter at KB for now. That's K-B-F-O-R-N-O-W. <laughs> and you can find Film Score Monthly online at uh, fsmonlinemag.com. All right. And Justin Craig, where can people get a hold of you? I, too, am on Twitter at Justin underscore M underscore Craig. Awesome. And, of course, as always, if you'd like to share feedback, feedback directly uh, with us, you can do so at thesoundcast.com. You can leave a comment there or leave a voicemail on our SpeakPipe widget. Um, you can also send us your feedback on Twitter at TrackSounds or on Facebook um, or send us an email at soundcast at tracksounds.com. Again, you can find the Soundcast on iTunes and everywhere else that uh, good podcasts are usually found. And so if you want to get a hold of me for some reason or let me know what you think of the show, you can do so on Twitter at C. Coleman. So until our next episode, then, we want to thank you for listening and say, may the apes be with you. I mean, but, you know, the whole scene with her and Luca in the flower, and I was just like, oh my gosh, Luca's, Luca's toast. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately, okay, Luca's about to die. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little too, it was too nice. I was like, oh man. So anytime anyone did anything nice, or they put someone in a very good spot, a light, a good light, like Maurice, I thought Maurice was toast when that water started coming in, which really went nowhere, kind of. <laughs> I thought, oh, Maurice is going to drown. I just, I was just waiting for it to happen, but I'm glad they didn't draw Maurice. <laughs> Me too. Maurice is so great. What a great Oh, character. I love Maurice. Uh, I just thought he was going to keep everyone on his back and get him out, and then he would drown. Right. I just, I just felt that was coming. Um, oh, speaking of deaths, I will say this about the film, and we are in spoilers. I, I really didn't think the death of Caesar was, was necessary. I was a little disappointed. Or how he died. Because it's like, that's why the geography became important to me. Because like, wait, mm-hmm. he got shot somewhere in the Sierra Nevadas. And he walked all the way to Mount St. Helens. And then he dies? Oh my God. That didn't that didn't connect very well to me. I think you're looking at that the geography too literally. But oh. it's absolutely clear that's where they, that's, I mean, they picked a spot that's, I guess, for people from the, the West, it's, it's so iconic. You see, it's like, oh, that's freaking Mount St. Helens. Um, unless a, 
another volcano blew up somewhere just like it in the vicinity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it looks like to me they went out of their way to 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 show that this is where they they could have made a random well, mountain in, with a lake. In operatic storytelling, you know, you they have, could have ended up at Devil's Tower. You you have <laughs> <laughs> that's a real long way. That's wow. even longer. <laughs> in operatic storytelling, you have. You know, the leader pushing through to see his people to a safe haven, and then he can finally rest. It, oh, I get the thematic yeah, part of it. I, I, it. I think it worked well if you look at it as uh, as an opera. Yeah, I, I suppose. I, was, I teared I was, up when he died, and I hardly ever tear up in movies anymore. But I teared up. Uh, I think it was mostly because of the music, because that was yeah, just so It was very affecting. Powerful. With the music, um, but I, yeah, I do. Have the person I saw it with, it had no emotion to it whatsoever. I was like, <laughs> oh, Are you well, kidding me? Oh, well, they must have been from the the West. They're like, wait a minute, he's at Mount St. Helens. I mean, <laughs> he's at Mount St. Helens. Why did he die now? That's just how. He, that's just how he is. <laughs> I yeah. I know. <laughs> he's, he went he's with Jim Lochner. So- he's a big softy on the inside. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean that bothered me because I it probably shouldn't. But I just, I didn't feel like, mm, I just didn't feel like he needed to to die to to drive the point home, um, especially if they're making more. Uh, it's well now you know Caesar. I mean, he he is he is the connection to that film. He to this franchise, and so my, my guess is if they do make more, they would have to start with. Um, uh, Who's the wise? Uh, who's the, the lawgiver? Yeah, the lawgiver. They'll have to start with that because I was waiting for them to introduce that. Yeah, I thought he was going to become the lawgiver, right? To, but well, actually, he doesn't look like that. Lawgiver That's looks true. more like uh, he's the orangutan style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, maybe Maurice is the lawgiver. Well, the lawgiver could talk though. Anyway, um, wait, didn't Maurice Luke? Yeah. Didn't uh, didn't Maurice talk at the end? Yeah, he did. That's right. He, he sure talks did. a little bit. That's right. He did. He did. Um, there, there was one thing. Um, so throughout the movie, that I started making comparisons between this and Logan, and oh, yeah. I haven't seen Logan yet, so don't no spoilers. Uh, <laughs> well, everybody who has seen Logan knows where I'm going with this. Um, <laughs> I don't. Oh, I guess, I guess I do. Okay, now you do. Yeah, and, and so good talk. It's <laughs> a great, great point. So, I mean, are you comparing them, fa- comparing it favorably or not favor- favorably to to Logan in I, that regard? I like both movies, but now that I see that they parallel so closely, I'm kind of like mm, two movies like this in a year. <laughs> but oh, I, I see. I I, en- I I enjoy both films. So I I I can't even respond to you because of Justin. Um, I'll hang up. (laughs) (laughs) I got stuff to do. (laughs) Well, you need to go watch Logan, and I'll. I was going to say the first thing you need to do is go see Logan or go watch Logan. (laughs) I'll Um, get there. Yeah, I like so many things to watch that I've fallen behind. I still am not over that Kristen has not seen Rise or Dawn. Yeah, that's surprising. That's that's astounding to me. To be, it really is astounding. I mean, of all the stuff that's out there. And to see, I mean, it is like we were talking about last week, I think, Justin, I think now that I've seen it, 
it's the best trilogy since uh, Lord of the Rings. I mean, nothing even comes close. I, mean, I don't even know how many trilogies there have been since then, to be honest. But it's in that it's in that range. Okay, mm-hmm. um, okay. I'll, I'll fast track it. In my I queue. agree. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting though. I'm glad you kind of, I'm in a way, I'm glad you didn't see it because your experience with the movie is so different then, but yet you still love it as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, if I hadn't seen the first two, I don't know if I would like it as much as I do right now because there's so much. There's so much story that's been told in the first two that has so much resonance into this third film that you're really going to probably love war mm-hmm. after you watch the first yeah, two. Yeah, again, I, I went in like, oh gosh, I've seen I've seen the old Apes movies. I never got around to seeing the first two of this reboot slash prequel. We don't know what it is. And... <laughs> I was completely invested in it. I understood people, their motivations. I understood, you know, the the heaviness that Caesar felt suddenly being thrust into this leadership role. I understood, you know, the heaviness of the backstory and how the simian virus affected humanity. And at I totally have to credit Matt Reeves and Giacchino for providing this context for me mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. even having seen anything. Yeah, so. that's that's an impressive an impressive thing that they've done. I, I was a little bit concerned when they switched from who was it Rupert um, who directed the first one? Uh, Rupert, I can't remember his last name right now because I thought he did a Rise was a surprisingly good film. I didn't expect much from it, and it really surprised me then when they when he left the project and matt reeves came out i was like wyatt. oh no rupert white rupert white yeah that's it um i was i was concerned but matt reeves took it in a whole different direction and just doubled down and it was he's done a fantastic job and lastly i'll just say this but by the title i expected the war to be between the apes and the humans and it wasn't really they were kind of bystanderish mm-hmm. caught in the middle kind of thing and that that surprised me that's surprised like oh so it's really not a war between the apes and humans is humans fighting for yeah. for us and the apes are caught in the middle and i'm thinking about another thing i didn't like i don't mean to end on a negative <laughs> how the how that other army was kind of dealt with in a in one snowy swoop I was kind of like, oh, that's convenient. I mean, we've had <laughs> all of this fighting and no avalanche, but they start yelling, and then the avalanche comes and kills every last one of them. I was a, that felt a little too easy for me. I was well, like, oh, so now everyone's just dead. Great, perfect. I mean, maybe, maybe all the fighting and the explosions loosened up all the ice and snow, and perhaps. You know, and then it happens to slide exactly where the army is. I mean, exactly. It was it was all a little too convenient for me. Lucky um, apes. Lucky apes, I suppose so. Uh, they did lose a lot of apes though in that crossfire. Yeah, they they were getting mowed pretty bad. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, then when the army arrives, then you can just press stop and then put on the two towers and then watch that and pretend that. That's what happens. <laughs> that, 
that oh that, that whole battle that Gandalf of comes over the hill instead of the avalanche. <laughs> that entire Helm's Deep scene. That's where that that was going. But they're like, no, 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 no. This has been done. Let's just kill him with snow. Let's just kill him with <laughs> snow. It's much more effective. I I did like that they emphasized that you know humans are destroying each other. They they don't need the apes to do this. So yes, yeah. Yeah, it just surprised me. That's all. I was just like, oh, this is going to be, this is the battle to end all battles between the apes and the humans. And it wasn't that at all. Whoosh. And so, hmm? Whoosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, even after that battle is over, you're like, oh. Because I did wonder, well, what's going to happen now? They, you know, all that whole army sees Caesar right there. And I'm like, oh, man. So now we're going to get the war. And I, uh, no. <laughs> you're going to get an avalanche. Um, so anyway, I may cut this whole section out, but I just wanted, I just wanted to ex- express that little bit of um, dissatisfaction. 